You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. This month we uh, at the church have been looking at uh, heart attributes of the church or core values. Uh, I think it's important that as a, as a church family, as a, as a grouping of people, we understand what we're all about. What, what, is, our, what is the most important things to us? Because out of that helps shape our vision of where we're going. If we don't know what our substance is, what's the things that are important, it's really difficult to, to look at the things that we need to invest in the future. And so we've been looking at our heart attributes. And last, last Sunday I shared on this first aspect of enlarging. God calls us not to just have a holy huddle every Sunday to kind of just keep this to ourselves. But he's given us good news that needs to go to all the world. Right? And we look at the story of the four lepers that... Uh, they had found that um, there was great treasure that the armies that of the enemies that had come against Samaria had left and they had left all this this plunder there was all this stuff there and they were rejoicing and and so excited that they had all of this stuff and then this realization hits that this was a day of good news and it's not right that they kept it to themselves and we looked at this understanding that God has done so much in our lives and if we were to take time today, if everyone could just give a testimony of what God has done in your life, we would be here probably till this evening, if not longer. We've experienced good news. I would hope that we're here today because we've experienced good news. Something has shifted in our lives. We, we've, we were in a place maybe of bondage or we were in a place of, of brokenness or a place that we didn't know where our future lied. And, and then we came to this understanding that there was a God who loved us and sent His Son, Jesus, who died for our sins. And that point of giving our lives to Him, we realized that we had a hope and a future now. From maybe a place of despair and hopelessness, we came to a place of realizing God loved me more than anything else. And life came into our lives. And just like the lepers who found this plunder and realized their lives suddenly were they were destitute and they were going to die, there was a place of new life. You and I have come to that place. And yet it's not right for us to keep our light hidden underneath a, a cover, right? We have something in us that needs, the world needs to hear. And so the purpose, the core value of this church is to let the world know that Jesus loves them, that Jesus has a plan for them. And that's why we're doing what we're doing with the children. That's why we're looking in Brighton at different outreaches in Burgess Hill of how we reach out because the church is not to exist just for itself. We are called to be his ambassadors into this world. Students, you're here because God has called you to be his ambassador and you're preparing yourself to go out. And sharing the good news is a starting point, but not the finish line, which leads us to this, this next point of our core values. God doesn't call us to just make converts, but he calls us to make disciples, doesn't he? Again, we've looked earlier in this year about God doesn't call us just to get people to say a prayer. In fact, we don't have a sinner's, sinner's prayer anywhere in the Bible. Amazing, isn't it? We do it all the time as an act of response to the gospel message. But actually, that Jesus never talked about, if you want to come follow me, say a prayer. Right? He says, pick up your cross and follow me. There's an act of surrender, but you, you're, if you want to follow me, you need to be my disciple. This is actually what the salvation message is. It isn't just saying a prayer someday, but actually it's, it's coming into this relationship of a life-transforming power of God that continues onwards. 
It isn't about making converts, but it's about making disciples. In Matthew 28, 18 to 20, it says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. As a church, as believers, we're called to make disciples. That's part of our mandate. And this is part of the second attribute of the church is enabling people to be disciples. Providing a way, making disciples. The church needs to enable that. There's some fundamental points that we need to understand about discipleship. Discipling, to be a disciple is to be an imitator of the teacher. Right? It's not just being a student, but we've looked at this in the past. To be a disciple of Jesus means I'm, I'm becoming more and more like Jesus every day. I don't just listen to Jesus. I don't just hear from Jesus, but I try to imitate Jesus. I, I, I look at his life and, and by the spirit working in me, I become like him. I, I look like him. I smell like him. I have the fragrance of Christ in my lives. Discipleship is not a course, but rather a lifetime commitment and journey. And as a church, I know we've done discipleship courses. So in some say it's, it's a bit hypocritical or, you know, we call it that, right? But actually discipleship isn't a course. It's, it's something that we, as a believer, we step in, as we become a disciple, it's something we are now living day in, day out. We're constantly a disciple. You never graduate from being a disciple. The master is always the master and you're always a disciple. You never move past this phase. There's only also one type of follower of Christ, and that's a disciple. Again, in our world we live in, a lot of people would define themselves as Christian, especially in the West. A lot of people, if we did, you know, the last census that was in the UK, uh, the majority of any belief was Christian. And yet when we look at the, the, the definition of what it means to follow Christ, to be a Christian, to be a follower of Christ, it was to be a disciple. And probably fewer, much fewer people would define themselves as a disciple. But a lot of people would say, I'm a Christian because I, I hold the Christian values. But actually, Jesus never talked about holding Christian values. He said, if you want to follow me, you've got to give up everything and be my disciple. That's the only way. And so, in fact, our two-tiered Christianity is, is obsolete in God's kingdom. There's only one type of Christian is a disciple, right? If you're not a disciple, you're not a Christian. And that's as easy as that. Only disciples fulfill their God-given destiny, the purpose for their lives. You know, God created you to be a disciple. He created every person on this planet to be just like Him. And when we step into that, when we step into that reality, suddenly we step into the fullness of what God has for our lives. Being a disciple is not stepping away from something, but stepping into God's perfect plan for our lives. There's no greater calling that any person has than being a disciple of Jesus. That is our high calling. More than a ministry calling, more than anything else, my high calling is to be a disciple of Jesus. That is not an introductory, elementary phase of Christianity, being disciples. No, that is the core. That is the heart blood of everything else we do. If we miss that point and we think, oh, well, I'm the apostle, or I'm the pastor, or I am the evangelist, but I'm no longer a disciple, we've missed the plot. I am a disciple first and foremost. Everything else is secondary. Now those are some foundational thoughts. But as we, as we continue on in this looking at 
core values of the church, of our lives. We're going to look at John 15, verses 1 to 10. John 15, verses 1 to 10. And it gives us a bit of a picture of what discipleship looks like. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does perf- uh, bear fruit, he prunes so that it will bear even more fruit, even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I'll remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you have... If you obey my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remained in His love. The analogy that Jesus compares this, discipleship, He compares it to grapes growing on a vine. Beautiful. We were in the south of France this past summer and saw grapes, vineyards, Wow. Beautiful. But he uses this analogy because actually in the part of the world that Jesus was, this is a, was a common understanding. People were farmers. They, they, they understood agriculture. Now, in order for grapes to grow, some things need to happen. You, you look at orchards and orchards don't, you know, a, a vineyard doesn't just appear by chance, does it? In fact, as we drove along in France and last year even in Italy, there, there, there's a lot of work that goes in to a vineyard. A lot of work. Everything's prepared. Every season has some work to be done. And the grapes don't just magically appear on the vine. There's a process that goes in place for the vineyards or for the vines to bear much fruit. In other words, in our lives, God calls us to bear fruit. When we come to know Jesus, he, he doesn't call us to just be bumps on a log, to be people who just hold space, to keep a seat warm on a Sunday morning, to be a number. But he calls us to bear fruit. He calls our lives to look like this in the kingdom of God. That there's something tangible, there's something real, there's, there's a fruitfulness about us. He doesn't want us to just go through life and just just kind of get through, barely struggling, or just struggling through life, and just, you know, we just are here. We put on our Christian hat and whatever. But actually, He calls us to live life and live it abundantly, to fulfill our destiny, to live lives that reflect Him, and the fruit of the Spirit is evident to all people who look at us. Now, there's things that need to take place, and this is what Jesus was going after in this, this, this discourse He was having. And the first one is staying connected. Right? When the first bit of the passage, he says a lot, remain. Remain. What does remain mean? It means we have to be connected, but we have to stay connected. 
We have to be part of what, what is happening. We need to remain in Him. And this happens in a number of different ways. Remaining in the Lord is remaining in Him in our personal devotional life. How can I get the nourishment of His Spirit if I'm just living in isolation and just hoping to bear fruit? If you're to cut the, 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 the fruit of the vine off, or the branch off from the vine, and you just left it, would it bear fruit? Of course not. It needs to be connected to the vine in order for the branch to bear the fruit, then it needs to bear fruit. And for you and I, you and I have a responsibility to stay connected. Jesus didn't say remain in me as a passive word. Remaining is not passive, but it's active. To remain means I'm constantly pressing in, constantly going to his word. I'm constantly there in prayer. I'm, I'm pressing into him. So I receive all that I need to live out this life. Disciples remain in the Lord. We cannot be believers and followers of Jesus and not have a devotional life. Can I tell you that? Can I be bold to say that? This Sunday morning service is not enough for you. I mean, I can bring out puppets. I can do all sorts of stuff to make this engaging, to make it exciting. We can do PowerPoints and, you know, we can do lots of stuff to make this really cool. But that does not replace our personal time with the Lord. This is not enough. We need to be remaining. We need to be plugged into the Lord. And again, I can say, if you're a follower of Jesus, do you know what? Remaining in Him is an absolutely important thing. You can't bear fruit without it. But also, we can have a devotional life and be not connected to the rest of the body either. And so, just as one is impossible to grow fruit, I think, without personal time with the Lord, I also feel it's not possible for us to bear the fullness of what God has if we're disconnected from His body. Being, remaining in Him, we are the body of Christ. So remaining in Him is also remaining in the body. How can we bear fruit if we don't connect to, to the body in which He's, He's given us? How can your arm function and be fruitful if it's not attached to the body? If your arm decided it didn't want to be part of the body, it's going to do its own thing. It's not going to get very far. Right? It might be able to find its way along the floor, but it's not going to be fruitful. Fruitfulness comes when it's connected. No branch can bear fruit by itself. Right? No fruit. You cannot be fruitful alone. You need us. And we need you. And being a disciple, being a church that makes disciples is, is saying, actually, there's a connectedness that we need to have to one another. We all need the teaching of the Word. I need the teaching of the Word. I need to hear it. I need to understand it. We need the encouragement of one another. Can I just encourage you, the church should not be the bottom of your priority list. But if we're a disciple of Jesus, our devotional life and our time in the church family needs to be very high on our priorities. If we want to be all that Jesus has called us to be, then we have to go down this road. Discipleship starts from a position of remaining connected to the Lord and to one another, His body. When problems come, so often our tendency is pull away from our walk with God or pull away from the church. Can I encourage you to actually press in? Do the opposite to what would maybe be your natural response. 
Maybe all hell is breaking loose in your life. You know what? Don't pull away from everyone. Don't stop praying and, and pull. Actually, press in. But you know, the, the other thing is too, when everything is grand and everything's happy, and you know what? Sometimes that's also a time we pull away. We've got lots of other things to do. You know, I can encourage you not to be like that either. But actually, be steadfast. Remain in Him. And I tell you what, God will do great things in and through your life. In my experience, those that make church and life group and personal devotion times a priority continue to grow in their walk with God and continue to live fruitful lives. I've seen it happen over and over again. You can pick out the people in the church that have this commitment. They demonstrate Jesus. You can also pick out in the church those who don't. Why? Because discipleship means we stay connected to the Lord. We stay connected to one another. The second part in this passage that Jesus talks about is receiving discipline or, or pruning. Pruning is cutting back. And you know what? I've discovered in my life, I, I don't like pruning. Because it hurts. Pruning is a cutting. And, and the interesting thing in this passage is, it's not pruning... This, Jesus doesn't say the pruning the, the bits of the, the, the branch that don't bear fruit. It's actually, he's pruning the areas that do bear fruit. It's the things that we are growing in. But God wants to do more. God wants to, to change us. He wants to bear more fruit in those areas. And I, I've discovered in my own life that I could be bearing fruit, but God has a better plan. And sometimes I rest upon that fruit thinking I'm doing something. It's, this is, there's product here. I'm showing that I'm really a disciple because there's these good things happening. This ministry is going on. This is really great. But God uses a number of different ways to prune back. And sometimes it's, it can come through a word of correction. How many of you enjoy words of correction? RBTI students, welcome to discipleship. I guarantee you there might come words of correction. Words of guidance, of strong nature. Those things are, are, are pruning. They're a discipline. They're things that need to happen. You know, I think God also uses, we see in Scripture, hardship to discipline us or to prune our lives. He also sometimes removes things that we really care about. Maybe ministries that we're leading. Suddenly something shifts, something happens. And we're not doing what we thought we were doing. And it's painful. It's hard when something is pruned off our lives. You think, well, God, why? I think in those moments of pruning, whether it's through words of correction, whether it's through situations that are happening. We think, God, we don't like that bit of it. We like the bearing fruit part because there's nice evidence. But pruning, the problem with pruning is it cuts something back. And for a season, we have loss with no fruit. And we have moments of barrenness in our lives and we think, God, where are you? I thought I was on plan. I thought I was following you. There's, why is this happening in my life? The challenge for us in those moments is to stay connected. To remain in His love. To remain in Him. Because what happens is there's a season of cutting back. There's a season of what it feels like barrenness. But then there comes a season of fresh life beginning to appear again. And suddenly we walk into an area where there's a greater capacity to bear fruit than we had before. And you know what? Only pruning, only discipleship produce that in us. God wants us to not just stay constant but actually, God wants to increase our capacity to display Him. 
He wants you to increase your ability to bear fruit. But sometimes there has to be cutting back in order for new things to grow. And cutting back is hard, it's painful, but God knows what He's doing. And we can trust Him when He's got the knife. It's going to be okay. So long as the rest of you stays connected to Him. I'll encourage you. There's things maybe we're going through right now. You think, God, this is... I didn't sign up for this. Do you know what? God is a God who loves you. And he says, I will discipline those I love. It's not things, it's not things, this isn't something we like to talk about. But actually, God cares about you. And he wants to mold you and make you into what he wants you to be. And you know, again, I think there's times as students, you guys are here and there's a time where God's going to discipline you. He's going to change you. You think, well, I don't need to be changed in that area because that area got under control. I've had these moments where I think, you know, but that's, that's, I've, I've learned that, so I'm doing good stuff in this. He goes, no, I'm going to cut that off. Right? And then you come a season later, and, and seasons can be years. Can I tell you that? Seasons can be years. When we moved to, from Canada to here, in Canada, there, you know, the ministry there was vibrant and I thought I had it all together and I, I thought I had certain things really, I was bearing much fruit. I got that vine that looks so good. And then we came here and God went, snip. And for a season it was like, God, I thought I had this gift. I thought I had this ministry. I thought I had this pizzazz. And I've got nothing now. You snipped the fruitful part out of my life. But what God did do in that is it, He enriched me. He, He increased my capacity so that I could bear more fruit. And you know, I'm not naive to think that was the one time I got this one story of when I came to England and when He pruned me. I know pruning is on its way. If I'm going to continue to bear more fruit, there's areas that God's going to have to continue to prune in my life. I'm not immune from this. I'm in it as well. But a disciple says, you know, I'm going to stay connected. I'm going to allow you to do this. Sometimes we resist the pruning of the Lord. We, we hold it back. We fight it. We resist it. But actually, if we can give way to it and say, God, your will be done. You can have it all, Lord. I hold on to nothing. If you want to cut that bit area of my life back, do you know what? I give it to you. I can tell you with all certainty, God will allow you to bear much fruit in the future. The third area, the final area that we'll look at today is listening to instruction. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Students who learn best in class are usually the ones who pay attention and listen. Right? I'm not a, an expert, but when you're in ecclesiology class, you're going to really learn a lot in ecclesiology if you listen and you pay attention to every word that comes from the teacher's mouth. You stay focused. <laughs> Do you know what? The tutors know when you're not listening. <laughs> but the same thing goes for the rest of us. Guys, you know what? We learn best when we're listening. And sometimes I think we've got so much noise in our lives. We've got so much distraction. We've got so many other things going on. God is speaking. God is wanting to shape things in us. 
But it starts from a position of actually hearing his voice. I mean, that's why on Sundays we take time even in our service. We need to hear his voice. What's the point of going all through this process of, you know, the singing and the preaching and all, and not taking moments? God, do you have something today you want to say? What is it you're saying? And so a, a, a disciple is someone who listens as the first part of it. Listening to his voice, hearing what he's saying. But a learner and a quick learner applies what they've learned straight away. They put it to work. They obey the instruction. When we receive instruction from the Lord, we need to say, okay. Disciples say yes more than no to the Lord. I've shared this in the past, but what would it be like for you and I if we made it our ambition that every time God says something to you, you would just say yes? What would your life look like? If every time God spoke to you, every time God revealed something to you, every time God corrected you, every time God says, this is what I'm calling you, this is what I'm wanting to change in your life, and you just said yes. No argument, no resisting, no shutting down the volume of the Spirit of God in your life. No reason. Just saying, okay, God, you can have it all. I, I'm saying okay to you. I'm saying yes to you. What could God do with us? I know I think it would be much easier if God, when we became followers of Jesus, if we suddenly had a new brain and our brain just always responded to the Lord. But amazingly, he's kept us with a brain that still makes choices, still has reason. And that brain that has reason, every time we're confronted with God's will and what our flesh wants to do, our old nature wants to do, we have a decision. Do we obey and remain in his love? Or do we resist and step away from his fullness? You see, God wants us to not just be hearers of his word, but he wants us to be doers. Disciples listen. They're, they're attentive to what he's saying, but they're also responsive in, and actually putting in application what they learn. Often, I think we'd rather argue and reason or simply ignore than say yes to the Lord. This requires us, though, to deny ourselves, to die to self. I think that's why Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you need to pick up your cross. Give up everything. Follow me. It only works this way. Because to listen to him and to say yes to him will always, always, always be a conflict to what you think you want to do. Can I say very seldom when God gives instruction, do I think I want to do that as well necessarily? Especially if it's words of correction. When I'm hitting situations where my old nature wants to respond negatively and the fruit of the Spirit needs to come out instead, you know, it's hard. And I can only, the only way for this to happen is if I die to self and I listen to the Spirit. And the Spirit then gives me the strength to do it. At the end of the day, the result of this is in this verse, it says, This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciple. I'll read it again. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. What does the disciple do? He bears fruit. 
And not just any fruit, much fruit. God doesn't want just one grape on your life. One little raisin withered on the vine, just holding on. That is not to the Father's glory. This is to the Father's glory. That when people look at our lives, they see Jesus. They see something that only God could do. It brings him glory when things of him appear in our lives. The church's purpose is to make fruitful Christians, not fruity Christians. Okay, I want to say it again. For the second language English people, you might not get this whole concept. The church's purpose is to make fruitful Christians, not fruity Christians. And what I mean by fruity Christians are Christians that are just not quite there. They're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. God wants us to bear much fruit, right? He wants us that it's tangible, it's real. As a church, this happens through Sunday church. It happens through life groups, through Bible studies. It, we will be looking at restarting discipleship. I'm not going to call it a course. Discipleship, whatever. Teaching. Discipleship teaching. It happens through IBTI. It happens through Global University with what we're doing here. At the end of the day, as a church, we can prepare the table. But disciples come and eat. And they take it on board. We can have all the programs running. We can do all the things to prepare it. But at the end of the day, it's up to all of us to partake and say, do you know what? I want to be a disciple. So I'm going to, I'm going to remain. I'm going to connect. I'm going to listen. I'm going to obey. I'm going to pull it all in. Only you can do that. Only I can do that. My encouragement to you today is stay connected. Or get connected, whichever the, may, the point may be. This is a time that we need to bear fruit. And if you look at your life and maybe you're not bearing fruit, if you really say, what are the things in my life that are evidence that God is at work in me? If you're lacking things that you could point to, you know what, maybe there's some areas in this that you need to respond to. I know there's moments where there can be points of barrenness, but you know what, we should still, in some points of our lives, Jesus should be appearing in us and through us as we imitate him and we look more like him. God has called us to do great things. He has a purpose for our lives, but we have a part to play in this. And as a church, we're called to go into all the world, but we're called to make disciples, but we're also called to be disciples. That's a core value of this church is to be disciples, not to say the same, but my purpose is to more look more like Jesus tomorrow than they do today and to, as a church to create a, an environment for that to happen like a greenhouse where growth can happen but sometimes that's pruning sometimes that's correction sometimes that's discipline all of those things we don't like but that's all part of the process for us to bear much fruit why don't we stand as we as we close thank you for listening to this week's podcast at center church one church passionately loving god and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.